0: Welcome to Don't
1: Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages.
0: Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Well, hello,
1: hello. hello. I'm Lana Reed, and welcome back to this week's edition of Don't Box Me In. You know, this year, it's estimated that over 246,000 women in the United States will be diagnosed with invasive breast cancer. And an estimated 2,600 men in the United States will be diagnosed with breast cancer. Breast cancer is the topic of today Don't Box Me In. Now, globally, breast cancer now represents one in four of all cancers in women. Gratefully, there are more than two point eight million breast cancer survivors in the United States. My guest today is one of those survivors, Arthur Heather Oh, get my speaking right today, Author Heather Coach. Choked, was diagnosed with breast cancer while she was pregnant in July of 2014. In spite of it all, she gave birth to a healthy baby girl and is here today to share her story with us. I thank Heather in advance for her time and appreciate her courageousness. Heather, welcome to Don't Box Me In and and excuse my tongue-tied this morning. Oh, you're fine. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. I was like, okay, it's I'm nice going to get this right. It. I'm going to get this right. And probably in the stress of getting it right, I just messed the whole thing up. But I'm... I'm going to get myself together here. How are you doing today, dear? Today is awesome. Awesome. We're We're alive. We're here. Everything's beautiful. Thank you. There you go. The alternative is not too great, not too great, and and I'm waiting to hear your story today. So I am speaking to you from where? South of Colorado Springs in Colorado. Colorado. Okay, and as I was reading your story, I read that um, you live in Colorado with your husband and Six beautiful kids. So tell me, how was it that you and your husband happened to stumble across each other's paths?
0: Yeah, we were very young and met just in college at a youth activity, a church activity. Um, We're both of the same religious faith. And so, yeah, as soon as I saw him, I was like, ooh,
2: that's
1: a good looker. He is the one, one. right? It worked out. (laughs) (laughs) So he was feeling the same way? I hope so, yeah. Cool stuff, cool stuff. Now also reading through your website here, um, now that we're going to get into talking about the breast cancer, but I want to make sure that you know everybody knows you have a whole bunch of other wonderful things under your belt. You're also a, a writer there, and man, the list of your books is like enormous. Um, writing, has, has it always been like a stable element in your life, or how did you get started writing? Yeah, I think it was more just, like, story creating
0: since I was a child, and okay. I just never stopped that. I, I kind of, like, never grew up in that <laughs> way. Um, I had a very, you know, active imagination, and as I went into middle school and high school, I just didn't feel like that should be stilled, even though I kind of felt pressure okay. to grow up. <laughs> um so, I did a lot of acting and singing, and then when I got married, then we had a baby, and I, I wasn't on stage anymore, and I just felt like I needed that creative outlet. Um, awesome. It's just like I'm just so passionate about sharing stories, um, entertaining people, so I started writing books and got really addicted to that, and so I've been
1: doing that for seven, eight years now. Seven, eight. I was getting ready to say, you're a pretty young lady there, I think, what, tw- 29?
0: I was 29 when I was diagnosed. i have now 13.
1: Okay, thirty, but you're still a young buck to me. Seeing my forty-six, yeah. I've got some age on you, but yeah. So you you put out your first book when you were how old? Uh, twenty-two. Yeah. Cool, cool. And your style of writing, um, you have a you have fiction stories that you write, and it's very unique the stuff that you write. How would you like classify your writing style?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's kind of hard to like formulate that, because it's like, what's your personality? You know, it's like one of those yes. questions. Like, how do you like, yes. sum everything up? Um, I just really write from, from obviously the heart, from my own experience, But I love like elements of fantasy and, you know, amazing paranormal, supernatural kind of things. I'm really drawn to to that, something mm-hmm. that's outside of what we experience normally, and okay. um, kind of take readers on a journey, Opens up their minds to different possibilities, and like characters that they just
1: absolutely fall in love with. Okay, cool. Okay, now um, let me be honest. In getting ready for today's interview, I was like, okay, this this is a mother here with six kids, so I'm gonna have to, you know, bear between the the knocks on the door and mommy, mommy, mommy. But it sounds kind of quiet there. What's everybody doing? Uh, my husband, my amazing husband, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all corralled in the other room. <laughs> okay, okay. That's the only way to do anything. All so you do get some time to you, right? Yeah, yeah, he, he facilitates that, and I'm grateful for his cooperation <laughs> cool in that regard. <laughs> cool stuff. All right, so let's move forward, Heather. Um, you are, um, you're, uh, 2014, you're writing, you're enjoying motherhood, you um, you find out you're pregnant with your sixth child when life gives you a big blow, which is breast cancer. Um, did you have any symptoms or anything that prompted you to go to doctor? How did you find out about this?
0: Yeah, so I was nursing my sixth <laughs> child, a little girl, um, and then I was, as I was stopping, like, as her nursing was slowing down, I noticed a lump on my left breast, and I thought that it was just related to nursing mm-hmm. because your breasts go through a lot of changes with that and the hormones. But then when we found out we were expecting again, it started to really grow, like, really increase in size and mm-hmm. um, decided, yeah, I better get this checked up. So at my first appointment with a midwife, that was at 10 weeks, along. I said, uh, she has to say any concerns? And then I said, Well, I did notice a lump. Um she's like, Okay, well let's go ultrasound it. So we did an ultrasound and then immediately she's like, Hmm, I think we're just gonna go ahead and biopsy this So mm-hmm. then my like concerns started to rise a little bit. Naturally. But um the doctor that biopsied it and the nurse in the breast care center, they were like, Yeah, you have no family history of breast cancer. You're so young, you're very active and healthy. Like, we don't think that there's really anything to be concerned about. This is just, like, precautionary, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and then two days later, my midwife called back with the results. And I'll never forget, I was standing on the porch of our house in Bayfield, so it's, like, beautiful pine forest all around. Mm-hmm. And the kids were outside playing. It was a beautiful summer day. And I was kind of like, okay, here we go, you know. can tell me everything's <laughs> fine. You know, but still wondering a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, she said, Heather, we got the results of the, the biopsy, and it's cancer. Oh, I have wow. have breast cancer. Yeah. And I just, like, felt like someone hit me in the stomach, you know, i feeling just like, oh. shock. Yeah. Wow, Heather that's just, a like, gut punch down. there. Like, just in the movies, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I watching the kids throw a ball. It was like in slow motion. Yeah, like, oh, that is such goodness.
1: a gut punch. You know? So, yeah. I mean, what do you do? You're sitting there, you're watching the kids, it's a beautiful day, you get this gut punch, and, I mean, what's the immediate response there?
0: Yeah, so then my first thought was for the baby. Um, yeah. I was like, oh, wow, I'm 10 weeks pregnant, and what does that mean for the baby? Like, this isn't mm-hmm. just cancer, it's cancer and the baby to think about, too. Yeah. So she said, okay, we'd like to bring you in and talk to the specialist um, tomorrow. So hung up. I hung up the phone immediately called my husband, and that's when the tears started coming, you know, <laughs> as I was like, oh, what are we, what are we doing here? Uh-huh. Um, and he immediately got off work and came home, and um, we met with a specialist two days later, or, sorry, the next day, and um, he t- explained a little more about what this type of cancer is and the seriousness of it. Um, it was a cancer that's sensitive to hormones. So it grows based on hormones, okay. and the hormones of the pregnancy actually feed those kind of cells.
1: Wow! So that's
0: why I'd noticed it grow very, very
1: you know, rapidly. Yeah, because we're pregnant. Okay.
0: Right. So he said, "I recommend right after that, first thing we do is terminate the pregnancy."
1: Oh wow!
0: And um, I already knew because I thought that might be might be suggested. Mm-hmm. I just told him, "I would rather die than mm-hmm. take the life of my baby." That's just not even an option for me. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, then we went in for another biopsy, found out it had spread to my lymph node, making it at least stage three. Um, um, and then they suspected it had already spread further than that, but they couldn't do the scans to tell where it had gone because I was pregnant. So, oh. yeah, then again, he recommended you need to abort the baby. You're risking your life. These things usually don't end well. Sometimes... You'll be able to deliver the baby, but you probably won't live long after just because you're like, you know, turning it on high gear for the kid yes. to grow the whole pregnancy.
2: Wow.
0: <laughs> um, and then we, so we set out to find some other opinions and we heard from several other doctors the same advice. You need to terminate the pregnancy. Okay. Um, and then we just held fast to that, that somehow we're going to find a way to, to save me and, and get the baby here. So okay. we were lucky, I don't know if lucky is the word, but fate, <laughs> two, or God, yes. whatever you want to call it, divine power. Um, we were led to a doctor up in Denver, one of five in the nation that actually treats pregnant women with cancer. Mm. Her name is Dr. Borges. And we met with her, and she said that she had successfully treated many pregnant women with cancer. Mm. And said that there are certain types of chemo and different treatments you can do that are safe while you're pregnant. Okay. So we went forward with that. feeling like, that was the best solution. Um, it was not easy being bombarded with so many opinions from family and friends. Like, yeah, was, you know, insane. And they like reached out with love, but it gets yeah. so confusing for the person. And I'm sure anyone who's been in like a health situation can relate to that. And yeah. there's so much information. Sometimes it's really hard to judge
1: yeah the input today. must be overwhelming. I can only imagine um you know from loved ones who care about you, who you know want to see you a few more years, and you know so maybe we should explore this option, but not understanding that's not in your heart, not in your faith I- i'm I'm curious though, what made you guys keep on going to doctor after doctor I mean, because I think she you're telling me this doctor that you found in Denver was that like the fourth doctor you had went to? yeah,
0: we talked to several over the phone. Okay. Um, and then two in person, and then we met with way to Denver, which was a eight hour, seven-hour, eight-hour drive for us.
1: Wow. Um, and then
0: met with her, and then immediately knew that this was the right course for us. Okay,
1: okay. So um, I'm, I'm assuming that standard forms of treatment for uh, cancer, chemotherapy, radiation, you couldn't go through a lot of that because you were pregnant?
0: Right. So we did do a type of um, chemo that was safe or safer, I should say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the baby um, during pregnancy. There were some types of chemo. Absolutely no way. Um, mm-hmm. But we did do some, and that made me lose my hair. It was actually um, adriamycin is a typical one, uh, adriamycin and toxin that they recommend for breast cancer right off the bat. It is a really powerful one, but for some reason it just like the baby doesn't seem to be that affected by it.
2: So okay.
0: we did four rounds of that. I lost my hair, and then was pretty sick, but had a wonderful support system, (laughs) wonderful husband and incredible friends and family that just pitched in and helped so much, helped us get through that. And then we actually did a full macectomy on the left side at 28 weeks pregnant. Mm. Um, And that was one of the scariest moments for me because I didn't know, like, if they'd have to take her. There was a good chance the OB staff was, like, on, you know, witnessing, (laughs) I don't know witnessing, but, you know, they were there on call, um, making sure everything went good. But if it didn't, if the baby showed signs of stress or something, then they'd have to do an immediate emergency C-section at 28 weeks, which, you know, according
2: to our amazing
0: medical, you know, advancements, that's a pretty safe age, but it's still really early.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Um, so just, like, going through that was pretty, pretty scary. I had to put a lot of visualization and meditation and, and good energy out there for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, you were young, and like you, I heard you say earlier, there's no family history. Do you happen to know how common it is for young ladies or in your age bracket to um, be diagnosed with breast cancer?
0: Yeah. Um, as far as young ladies, I still am not sure exactly figure, but I have heard that about one in five women will be diagnosed with some type of cancer nowadays. Wow. But the, the rates are going up. Um, so that's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's and then uh, as
0: far as pregnant women, there's like a less than one percent chance
1: that you're going to get it when you're pregnant. It's oh, pretty rare, less than one percent. And but in your case, like I heard you say, it was just the, the hormone changes that that uh, went on with your pregnancy and the type of cancer you had that kind of exacerbated the whole condition. Right. Yeah, making oh. it yeah particularly oh. dangerous. I guess. Double doozy for everybody. Double doozy for everybody. Okay, so Heather, (laughs) we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box
0: Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed.
1: Well, welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Like they said, I'm Lana Reed, and today I am hanging out with the author of the book, Fighting for Our Lives, Ms. Heather Choate. And uh, before the break, she was telling us about her diagnosis and uh, in the early stages of her pregnancy. Now, I want to kind of back up a little bit um, because I already established that you have this wonderful, awesome husband because he's watching the kids now. But I'm curious as to, you know, when you first got your diagnosis and the doctors were saying, you know, Heather, it's kind of like either you or the baby, you're going to have to make a decision. Um, you know, kind of where was he at? What was he saying um, during all this time? Yeah,
0: gratefully, he was right in alignment with me. I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, with those kind of soul partners that you have, yes. you often are like, you know, there's some things like, you know, leaving the toilet seat up, they're like totally off. <laughs> <laughs> but then when it comes to some really big core values, um, you know, we were right, right there in unison with each other. And so he was a huge support for that. And um, he was also a really good buffer between (laughs) me and kind of the huge um, influx of opinions and attention, you know, Mm -hmm. and he kind of like helped mediate some of that. Um, You know, everyone reacts differently in a family and and with your friends when, you know, a crisis kind of like happens and, um, and, you know, it kind of brings different things out in people. And he was just a great kind of mediator for me since I was in, like, wanting to just focus on, you know, getting the mm-hmm. baby healthy, here healthy, and um, and getting myself healthy. So, yeah, he was incredible support. I always knew he was a good guy before that, but the real test came <laughs> in sickness and in health. And uh-huh. I he
1: passed, passed the so test you... with flying colors. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, definitely a keeper there, <laughs> definitely a keeper. Now, yeah. you know, when you're going through these trials and tribulations, you know, it's natural to kind of want to crawl up in a ball and give me a moment. Let me rock myself back and forth. But you know, the reality for you is you're a mom of you know five other, five other kids at this time, and you kind of got to keep the household going. How 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 but how difficult was it, or an emotional strain was it? Because you have to put your happy face on for the kids. Um, how how did you do all of that?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, and that's something we definitely feel like we needed to seek advice on from people who kind <laughs> of has been through crisis situations with their children. You know, how much do you want them to, to know and to see and to understand? They were very, very young at the time. My oldest was only eight, you know, all the way down to, to one. Mm. So they, we, yeah, we did, a, I think, a good job of um, letting the brunt of our emotions not affect them, um, but at the same time being able to let those out in, in the appropriate times and ways usually when they're asleep or something. Um, But yeah, definitely talking with them a lot about it and just like answering their questions and seeing if they had any, you know, like what their fears were. Um, One big thing with my hair, (laughs) Mm -hmm. when we saved my head, I didn't want to just do it at night and then wake up and have a bald mom because I had pretty young hair. So we made them part of it and we had them sitting on the counter, like making silly, they, they chose to make silly faces at me while we were doing it. But, you know, we told them like, they were helping pull my hair out. It was just falling out crazy all over the house. Okay. So they helped pull my hair out some, and they're like, okay, we're going to cut it off. So then they watched as we cut it and then shaved it. And I think just, like, making them part of it instead of feeling like they couldn't be, like, in the know at all helps a lot. Okay. Kind of, like, made it more of an open
1: topic rather than, like, a taboo thing, you know? Gotcha. Understood. Understood. Wonderful tips. Yeah. Now, you said at uh, 28 weeks that was your first – uh, only surgery I'm hoping um, so uh, you and the was there any complications or everything ran smoothly
0: yeah I know everything went great the baby did great and yeah it was just as
2: good as it could
1: be I guess surgery was okay. fun but um, was really a- <laughs> cool. so did you still have to continue with therapy from 28 weeks on or was was that yeah, a wrap no, then you?
0: we took a break
1: and um, waited till the
0: end of the pregnancy I actually delivered her on her due date Okay. that was great. She didn't come early at all, and she was um, eight pounds six ounces.
2: So a well, really girl. good,
0: healthy-sized baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. she had lots of dark hair. Mm-hmm. I was still growing mine, but she had more than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and she yeah, we did great. And then after she was born, then my husband literally became Mr. Mom, like in the truest sense of the word. I had to go and get surgery the week after she was born, okay, um, to start the reconstruction. Okay. I had to do that before radiation and before chemo. So our timeline was pretty tight just because we weren't able to do it the whole pregnancy, you know. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so I, we went immediately into that and then into uh, to more chemo and then radiation.
1: Okay. So I think I read in your previous uh, births that you breastfed, but obviously you weren't able to breastfeed at all with her?
0: I breastfed her for six weeks. Yeah, okay. on the one side. I only had the one. Um, and so, yeah, we did that, but it was off again and on again with all the medications. So okay. it wasn't my ideal start, but it was what it was, and and she's doing great. So,
2: yeah.
1: And how old is she today? She's a year. Yeah, um, almost 14 months. Cool. Trying to watch. Cool. And um, I think I read that the kids, uh, all the rest of the kids, took part in naming her? Uh, they wanted to. They,
0: they all <laughs> had their own opinions. <laughs> my six-year-old wanted to name her Sonic after Sonic the Hedgehog.
1: (laughs) Hey, that's important in his life at the time, okay? Right,
0: right. And then (laughs) someone wanted to name her Dinga, which was a name he made up.
1: I don't know.
2: They
0: all have their opinions. But no, (laughs) go to the name.
1: (laughs) Okay. I I can see her growing up now with her her older brother like, Sonic, really? That's what you got me? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Too cute. So after she was born... How long was your therapy? How long was your treatment after that?
0: Yeah, I'm actually still in treatment, so it's been over a year. Okay. Um, different types of treatment. We did 12 weeks of a pretty intense type of chemo that was not safe during a pregnancy. So mm-hmm. I was down and out, sick, like worst I've ever been in my life with that. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like cancer and some of these diseases are so long. They're like, mm-hmm. they just take forever, (laughs)
2: Um,
0: it just seems like, and so to have that continued support, and it just took a lot of endurance from my family and my friends to keep, you know, sustaining me um, through the whole thing and not just giving up after a while or thinking that things were good. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then this summer after the chemo, then we did um, six weeks of radiation, and radiation was every single day,
1: five days a week, Mm. for six weeks, so that was another big thing, finding people to help watch the kids for six weeks. (laughs) Now, I'm pretty sure, you know, everybody has their own individual experiences, but for you, um, radiation and chemo, I mean, it has to be exhausting. What did that leave you feeling like? Physically or what? Physically. Yeah.
0: Um, I've always been a really strong, active person and a very independent person. Um, And so it was really hard not to be able to do things. Mm -hmm. I'm very much a go-getter, and so I just saw all of my, you know, I like to homeschool. My homeschooling, like, this homeschooling was kind of slipping, and my writing wasn't where I wanted it to be. All of, like, the really important passions in my life, I just had to kind of put on hold. That Mm -hmm. was really hard emotionally, just because physically I couldn't do it, and that was a huge shock to me to Mm -hmm. recognize how important our health is um, and how we so often take it for granted, like, yes. it's like when you have the flu, you can't do anything, you know, <laughs> you are down and out, you can't go yeah. to work, it's hard to take care of anyone else when you're that sick, and uh, it gave me a huge, just, um, I guess, appreciation for health and vitality, uh, and then also a lot of, empathy, the understanding for those who face different health
1: trials. Okay. And, you know, I'm assuming you're stress reliever, you know, like you mentioned, was writing and stuff like that. So I'm going through something, and I don't even have my outlets to kind of get myself back in gear. I mean, I, I, that just has to be overwhelming.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, there's definitely high moments and low moments. Uh, you know, everyone was, like, saying, be positive. And most of the time I tried to, you know, I was, but then other times I just let it be what it was. And I was like, I'm not positive today. <laughs> Today oh, is not my day. Really
2: you
0: know? <laughs> I'm just going to curl up in bed, and uh, I'll talk to you later, you know. <laughs> um, and, and I just like, kind of allow myself to, to go through that and, like, also to go through some feelings of loss, um, like with my body being completely scarred and changed. Um, and, yeah, it just totally transformed, you know, me physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and uh, just let that be. I, I think that was my biggest thing was kind of letting go of m- making it be a certain way and then just accepting what it was because I couldn't control it. I couldn't change everything.
1: So are you in remission now?
0: Yes, yeah, so I'm still in treatment, and they haven't actually used those words. Okay. <laughs> I say that I am. I say that it's all good. Um, the scans so far look really good, uh, and I, I'm just going along with the initial course, treatment course that they put me on. And, um, yeah, so everything was looking really good there.
1: Congratulations. So when, how, how how much longer do they say you have of treatment? Are they giving you any indication? About six
0: months. Yeah, oh. about six months. And then we should be good to go.
1: Cool, cool. So when did you pick up writing again after um, you started treatments?
0: Yeah, I actually never stopped. When I was really sick and I couldn't do anything physically, I had a lot of time to write. And I was up a lot at night um, being unable to sleep with the medicine would make me like the team would make me just shake. Like mm-hmm. My hands just tingle and shake. And so it's hard to write, but I couldn't sleep. So I was like, ah might as well write
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: occupy my brain with something. Um okay. so I kept the vigilant journal the entire time. I felt really strongly like I needed to do that. Um the first reason was because I didn't know if my daughter, who we named Kiri, who I was pregnant with, if she would even get to know me mm. as her mom. I didn't know at that time, you know, that I could hear today and everything would be good. But at the time, I was just like, we hey, really that wouldn't happen. So I wanted her to have something, you know, leave her with something, okay. so she could know why I did what I did. And sorry, so it always makes me really much more. This <laughs> yeah, this comes to the core of my, you know, my love and my devotion to to her. Okay. And you know that I was willing to make those sacrifices for her, um, so she could know who I was. So mm-hmm. that's why I originally started writing. A lot of these things down. And then I also wanted my other children, as they grew up, to also know why I did what I did and who I was. Um, Yeah, and then after she was born, I felt like um, after talking to a couple other women who were diagnosed with cancer and kind of giving them some, I don't know, guidance, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, because it's such a confusing, scary time, I realized, you know, I could do a lot of good if I compiled these into a memoir and then published it and be able to share that with others so that's kind of what prompted me to to do
1: that to write
0: the memoir fighting for our lives
1: okay all righty good stuff and we're glad that uh, everybody survived and we're glad to be able to experience the book now um heather looking at time we're going to take a quick commercial break we'll be right back right after this Let's return
0: to "Don't Box Me In" with your host Lana Reed.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. Don't box me in. Today I'm hanging out with Heather Choate. She's the author of the book "Fighting for Our Lives," the story of her battle with breast cancer while being pregnant. Um, now, Heather, you've had this awesome support system—your family and your husband—during um, this battle. I'm wondering. Uh, did you connect with other people, uh, other women who had breast cancer as well while you were going through this? A small amount. For some reason, that
0: was a little bit hard to me as well because everyone's experiences are so different.
1: Okay. And
0: um, and then it was really difficult to, to hear about the ones that didn't end well, okay. I guess.
2: Okay. Um,
0: I did meet several families who lost their daughters, um, but the babies lived, kind of that kind of thing. Um, okay. And so that was a little bit challenging just because I wanted to focus – you know, I wanted to keep my mind fully focused on the good end result that we wanted, um, but also just kind of let it go and let it be what it was
1: mm-hmm. and accept what
0: it was, um, but do everything I could, you know, to get her here healthy and to get me healthy.
1: Okay. Now, also, read, uh, besides we talked about the fiction-style writing that you um, write, but you also write a lot of books about healthy living. Did you incorporate some of this into um, your battle with cancer as well?
0: Absolutely, yeah. It's kind of an interesting journey in that way. (laughs) Um, I was eating clean for, like, two years before I was diagnosed. Okay. Uh, Then when I found out I had cancer, I kind of, like, fell off the bandwagon. (laughs) I was so mad. I was like, what? You
2: know, like, I
0: see some people just constantly, like, trashing their bodies. Yes. Um, You know, and, and here I am. I'm exercising. I'm, you know, eating so good and trying to be so good and not I don't know. I love sweets and sugar, and I could just totally gorge myself. <laughs> oh my I was, sister like, in you know, spirit! <laughs> like trying to be so good and straight arrow, so that um, yeah. When I found out I was I had cancer, I was just like, "What?" <laughs> 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 I felt like I'd been betrayed. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was good and stuff. So I kind of fell off the wagon for a little while and just was like, "Well, whatever. I'm just gonna eat whatever I want." Um, mm-hmm. and then that just wasn't making me feel any better. Obviously, um, mm-hmm. I'm sure we can all relate to that when we're not eating right, then we just don't have the energy and the mental capacity to do what we really want to do at, like, you know, optimal level. Mm-hmm. So then I started, you know, really getting back in on eating good nutrition, and that was definitely a huge part of it. Um, I think any, like, journey, it could be health journey, or it could be financial, spiritual, relationships. It's so all-encompassing. Like, we have so many aspects in our lives that all intertwine. So, it's like, our health, affects our mental clarity, you know, yes, yes, and our yes, mental clarity affects our relationships and it just kind of like comes full circle. So um, definitely I feel like getting in a good place with with nutrition and, um, and exercise and everything is a really important aspect of that. Mm-hmm.
1: Now the doctor that you finally found and, and the treatment plan that uh, she established for you, did it incorporate um, a lot of different uh, philosophies, medical and non-medical, or she just was strictly about um, the the medical part of it?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, she is more, I guess, a traditional Western okay. you know, doctor. But she's at the forefront of the research and uh, knows what is, like, the most effective and the new cutting-edge kind of different chemos and medicines out there. So that was a huge blessing to know that I was receiving really, like, the best of what modern care has to offer us now. Um, and then on my own, I was like into to a lot of visualization and meditation and obviously faith and spirituality was a huge
2: aspect there. And
0: then nutrition and exercise as much as I could.
2: Okay. So um, your are um, cause I, I know I, I see some people, they have these uh, cancer treatments where they have like a multifaceted approach. There's some, um, you know, homeopathic or whatever, but for you it was just straight Western medicine?
0: Right, from the doctor's perspective, yeah. She has the most cutting edge, like the best forefront of research, and she's one of the top in the world for treating young women with breast cancer, and particularly and studying why it's happening. Um, And so that, I was in really good hands with her. It's funny because a couple of years ago I told my husband I would never do chemo. Like I would just go. <laughs> <out of school. laughs> that kind of changed when we were facing such an aggressive form. Um, I think it really depends on the situation, and I guess just going with your gut at the time. Um, and so I I made it my mission to incorporate everything that was healthy and good, and wholesome into into part of the program. And I think that helped that cool. a
2: lot. Cool, cool stuff. Cool stuff. So um, I see also that you are connected with uh, the UC Foundation Young Women's Breast Cancer Research. Uh, how, how did all that come about?
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, with my with my books, I wanted to have a way to give back to help support that research, so that it becomes, you know, less of an issue for people going forward. And um, so I'm donating, you know, 10% of my book profits to that foundation, and that supports Dr. Bortis' research
2: particularly. So so everybody needs to buy the book because 10% goes to um... – now, is it just the book Fighting for Our Lives, or is it all your collection of books?
0: Um, yeah, I have I have
2: like a combined pack of some of the fiction
0: books, and that one is donated as well, and then the Fighting for Our Lives is donated. 10% is donated okay. as well from that. Okay, cool.
2: So um also I see that uh you have a few freebies on your website. people can pick up a few copies of your books. How do how do people get some free stuff from your website?
0: Yeah, so the best way is to sign up for my newsletter and um you can do that right on the website, Heatherchoat And uh on there I give away, you know, signed copies of the books and you know, occasionally do different free ebooks, stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Cool, cool. Well, I'm not sure where I'm at. We're going to take a quick commercial break and uh, see where I'm at, and we'll be right back right after this.
1: Welcome back to Don't Box Me In.
0: Here's your host, Lana Reed.
2: Welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Like I said, I'm Lana Reed, and today I'm hanging out with author Heather Cho. She's the author of the book, Fighting for Our Lives, uh, the story of her battle with breast cancer while being pregnant with her um, daughter, who's now a year old. Now, um, when actually did you decide? I know you said you kept the journal, Heather, but uh, when actually did you decide to go ahead and uh, put the book out?
0: Right, so that was several months after Siri was born, and i talked I did an interview, and through that was connected with a woman who'd just been diagnosed I was able to talk with her two days after her own diagnosis of breast cancer and uh she just thanked me so much for you know offering some encouragement and some you know it was just kind of a place to go and at that point, I realized you know, I could either just keep all these things on my desktop. I can get them out there and, and do some good and if it does any good for anyone else
2: that's what this is all about cool cool well we're glad you're out there doing some stuff for so uh some others i mean I just breast cancer is just such the big scare word for a lot of women and you know the fact that you tackled it head on and, and you were so determined and and it i mean especially it's hard enough to have to deal with you know I, I've got breast cancer but now I'm caring for another life I'm carrying another life that's that's like a, a double whammy and you know, a lot of women can probably hear your story and say, if, you know, she did all of that, I could at least get to this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I sure hope so.
0: I think that it was actually kind of a blessing that I had, Curie, to think about because then it kind of got my mind off of me sometimes. And that was a huge help. You know, I, I it got to the point where I was like, you know, I have two things inside of me basically, and which one am I going to choose to focus on? I have cancer, which which could mean, you know, death. <laughs> or I have life. I have a baby growing within me, so which one do I want to focus on, you know? So I just try to put all my energy on, on life. Anything that meant life and, and growth and wholesomeness, then that's
2: what I you know wanted to focus on. Cool. you said they haven't really said that word, I'm, I'm going to name it and claim it. You are in remission and all of that stuff. So I'm going to ask you, uh, when should we expect the, the next addition to the family? Oh, man, <laughs> next addition to the family. <laughs> Not for a while. <laughs>
0: yeah, we had six. So I was, I'm, I'm kind of addicted to babies. Like I love, and my husband too. Like we just love children. Um, that's obviously, why that's, like, it's such a big, crazy family. But, um, yeah, no, I'm still in treatment, so we got to give it some thought.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're out there rooting for the home team now. Okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you know you're 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 kicking cancer's butt and you're riding and and when you're not chasing you know kids trying to change diapers you know what what does Heather do in her free time? Yeah, I love um, I'm really into
0: just a lot of self development and learning about different laws that lead to success and happiness and that's something I've always been really just drawn to. So I do a lot of self development, learning about you know really how to live your life the way you want to. I feel like before, I had a lot of fear. I was kind of a worrywart. Like, I all up about a lot of stuff. And then after my whole perspective changed, you know, there's nothing like thinking you're going to die. I said, no, that really matters, you know? Like, it, got, it just got me back to the basics of what really matters. And I've lost a lot of my fear and a lot of my anxiety. And I, that's a huge relief. And I feel so free now. Um, and just, like, ready to take life on and make it the best that I can because I know that it's short. We never know how long any of us will be here. That's just one of those things of life, like, we just don't ever know. And so um, to make the most of every day and not play small.
2: That's amazing. You never know. Um, Tomorrow's never promised, and, and, you know, it's just a beautiful thing when you do it to wake up and see it. Now, if you had to... um, Give some advice or some tips to, you know, a woman who just sitting in the doctor's office and she recently got the word that she's, you know, been diagnosed with cancer. You know, what what words would you say to her?
0: Yeah, I think it would just come down to listening to to that quiet voice inside of you, the one that speaks peace to your mind and not fear. And whatever that voice is prompting you to do, like, if a natural route is the route for you, then stay true to that. No matter what anyone else says, it's kind of hard to look at a doctor who is someone that we trust, you know, and, and has gone and studied these things far more than I ever have. I'm a, I'm a mom, I'm you know. How do I know about cancer? I didn't know anything, you know. just to, to listen to them and have them look at my in my eyes and say, you know, you're not, you're probably not going to make it, and, and say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to listen to what I feel in my heart, and I'm going to stay true to that. So there's so much fear. I would just say, listen to the quiet voice when you just kind of slow down and settle yourself. And I think this is true of anyone in any adversity. Mm-hmm. Like, find that place where you get to that place of calm, and you'll know what you need to do. It's just a matter of holding
2: true to that. And I think it will guide you to whatever you need to do. Listen to the quiet voice. Uh, you know, and sometimes, you know, we get so much chaos around us, so much chaos internally, you know, and I think that's a, a valuable person uh, lesson that people need to learn is to be able to listen to that that quiet voice on the inside. Um, now, I noticed, you know, with you, and, and it, it, it probably a lot of it had to do with the fact that you were pregnant, but you did seek, you know, multiple doctors' um, opinions. Do you recommend, you know, kind of getting some second and third opinions if you get a, a diagnosis of uh, cancer or, or breast cancer?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's worth any sacrifice to get, like, the best care in that kind of case. Like, I'm kind of a stingy person sometimes. Like, I just like trying to find the best deal, you know? But when it comes to that, like, you know, you need to take the very best care possible.
2: Okay. Very best care possible. So what's on the horizon for you? You know, you, you tell us that we had to wait for the next edition to the family and, uh, you know, any, any books coming out in the future or, or what you got for yourself?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I have another fiction series I'm working on. It's really fun to be able to um, come from a deeper place, I feel like, um, having gone through what I did to be able to write from that place. Um, and then I'm also writing a book called Last Your Way Out of Hell, and it's a success principles book showing how people from all different walks of life have overcome adversity and hardship and what brought them through it and how they could still do it and be happy today.
2: Okay. Okay. And I think I also read that you do some speaking engagements and stuff, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm getting into that a little more, too. Um, just so good. a high school and an elementary school recently.
2: That was really fun. Oh, okay. So husband has to pull well, some well. more duties there. He's got to keep all the kids. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This is
0: great, like, to be able to uplift others and, um, you know, offer encouragement and uh-huh. be good. I think that that's what my mission really is now, and,
2: and that's very fulfilling and hopefully does some good in this world. I'm sure you will. Now, just curious, you know, we, we all – the parents sometimes wish, our parents, uh, our kids would follow in our footsteps. You got any writers in the making? With my kids? Yes. Oh my, yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I don't
0: know. Yeah. If I can get them to sit and read for five minutes, that's like a good day. <laughs> um. Yeah, I wrote a series that they're they're starting to get into. Um. Called uh-huh. Flash Chronicles, and that's about you know dragons and adventures, and and they like that one pretty good. And sometimes they'll come and tell me, like, their ideas for stories. But, yeah, we, we'll see as maybe the girls get a little older, if they're more into it than the boys. The boys got to go. <laughs> 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 and that's funny.
2: Yeah, whatever they like to do is good. Whatever they like to do. So you guys are all out there um, on a farm in Colorado? Is that what I read? Yeah, we actually just
0: moved from Bayfield um, to Colorado Springs. But, yeah, we had a little, you know, 20 acres with
2: some animals, and that was really fun. Oh, cool environment for the kids. So you guys get to run around and chase chickens and and horses and stuff like that all day? Yeah, we we didn't have horses, but we have some chickens and dogs and cats. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. And Miss Lady, she probably has no clue of her phenomenal birth into this world. She's just doing her kid thing, huh? Oh, yeah, getting in the toilet, eating toilet paper, (laughs) like, you know. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) little one-year-old happy thing. (laughs) Oh, wait until she, she realizes the awesomeness that she came into this world with, you know, and, and the determination and faith that, you know, Mom said, no, you know, not only are you going to make it, I'm going to make it too. So, I, I mean, she's just she's got some wonderful stuff she came into this world in. Cool. So how do people pick up your books before we get out of here? Or any of your books, I should say.
0: Yeah, thank you. They're all on Amazon. Most of them are in ebooks, paperback, and Audible which is pretty fun. Okay. And so I
2: just to go to Amazon and type in your name, right?
0: Yeah, or you can type in Fighting for Our Lives,
2: and it will okay. come right up. Okay. So, um, but I want to make sure, like, the Fighting for Our Lives is your book that you have out now, but, I mean, like I said, you just have a plethora of other titles out there um, that people can um, pick up as well. So I want to make sure that they're aware of those. Um, and your website, one more time for the audience? Yeah, it's
0: a Heather Choate's. My last name is dot ecom
2: Awesome, awesome. Well, Heather, we are at the end of the hour for the day. I thank you for putting up with me and my tongue-tied and my technical difficulties and all of that stuff. Um, once again, everybody, please make sure to visit her website, Heather Cho- Choate, dot com. Pick up the book because uh, some of the proceeds go to um, helping uh, cancer, breast cancer, and uh All right, thank you, Heather, for hanging out with me today. I've had an awesome time chatting with you. And thank your husband for watching the kids for me. Absolutely. Thank you, Lana. I appreciate it. (laughs) That's all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams. The words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I will see you all next week.